CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. That's correct. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Wednesday, February 26, 2020, but of course it's a podcast. Uh, and you can be listening to this at any time, any place. And just as I always do when I do a podcast, I, I have fun reading what's in the, the headline in the paper of that day. So folks, you know, maybe 20 years from now, D, they're listening to this and they say, oh, my God, what was in the news when you were, uh, were doing this interview? I'll tell you what was in the news. There were reports about the debate last night between the Democratic candidates for president. They all went after Bernie Sanders because he's the front runner. And next to that was a story about the coronavirus, the outbreak and the potential health threats to our country to the world uh and those stories are related uh with our uh, guest our bonus guest so as i do always we'll uh have our distinguished bonus guest introduce herself and then i'll show you how they're related so bonus guest introduce yourself Uh, hi my name is pamela gronemeyer i'm a pathologist and a physician in the Metro East area of St. Louis, in southern uh, Illinois. Very good, doctor. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, uh, th- the Dr. Pamela, as I like to call her, is also a member of Doctors for Bernie. All right, so we'll get into that. That's Bernie as in Sanders. Uh, Doctors for Bernie. And uh, so uh, why don't you start by ta- giving a little uh, bit about your background, uh, Pamela, and uh, how that led to you being a, a doctor for Bernie. Go ahead. Okay, I'm a pathologist, and I'm also of Medicare age, and I'm also an employer. I mean, I have multiple reasons why I support Medicare for All. First of all, as a physician, I've seen many patients and patients' um, face sheets that show how many people are underinsured or don't have any insurance, and they have, actually have jobs but cannot afford their insurance and also cannot get the medic, you know, the treatment they need. Mm-hmm. So I've seen patients and I've, I've, I'm aware of what's going on in the patient world. As of, um, I also have relatives who have had many problems with health insurance. I had a nephew who was a truck driver who didn't get insurance from his, from his um, employer and was underinsured and actually suffered a heart attack and he had a large bill for hospitalization. I as an employer, I have eight employees, and I provide health care for my employees and their dependents, and they don't pay any premiums. I pay, um, they pay their co-pays and their deductible, and I try to keep their deductible as low as possible. I've, I mean, I provide health care because it's important to me. My employees are vital to me. They help create my business, so it's important. However, every year as my employees get older, I've seen the premiums go up, and I can't predict what the premiums are going to be each year. Some years they've gone up 15%, some years they've gone up 
Uh, also, the cost of insurance is so high that I myself was initially on the plan because when you create a plan, you have to have enough people enrolled in it. So, But I, I actually got out of my plan just because I was up to $1,500 a month. Mm. And since my husband was still employed, I could was cheaper for me to go on his insurance from his uh, employer. So I'm worried about my employees, and I want to give them good health insurance. I'm a Medicare patient, and I know Medicare works. I also know as a doctor, Medicare, if you write a clean claim with good bill, you know, good information, good coding, and everything's current right, you get paid in like a three-week period on a fee schedule that's, pu- that's published every year and is followed. The fee schedule is based on a formula that includes our uh, practice costs, how much work in, we put into this, the uh, procedures, and how much um, education we need to interpret the procedure, and also includes our malpractice and our uh, practice expenses. So, I mean, it's a, it's a published fee schedule that, you know, that we accept, and most physicians um, currently subscribe to Medicare. All right, now, works. Uh, doctor, let me uh, start off with this question. I already uh, suggest- I told you I was going to ask you this question. Uh, I am a baby boomer, and when I was coming of age, doctors traditionally were on the polit- were political conservatives. I cannot recall a doctor I had with a kid who was a Democrat. They were all political conservatives. When my mom would take me in to see the doctor, it, it could take my, my it forced my mom to do everything she could to refrain from arguing with the doctor. My mom was a, a New Deal Democrat and uh, love, grew up a big supporter of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And these doctors that we went to were the exact opposite. Somehow or other, they emerged from the Depression, doctor, still being Republicans. So how is it that you are a doctor, you're a Bernie Sanders supporter? Were you always liberal, or is this something your experiences as a doctor pushed you in this direction? Well, Ben, I grew up as a baby boomer, and I grew up in a family that lived through the Depression and also felt that FDR was a wonderful president and gave the country hope and brought them back from the Depression. So, I mean, I, I started out as a liberal, and I'm continuing as a liberal. However, the interesting thing, and you're right, I mean, in the 60s when Medicare was passed, I mean, Ronald Reagan made a record for the AMA talking about how Medicare was bringing socialism to your town. But I think what we see now is we have a young group of physicians, and many of them are young, and many of them, I mean, I, I believe a lot of them are like, their parents were born in other countries, and they, the children were born here. And I mean, they are really have become activists, and they really care about their patients. So they're all, they know that medicine is a good profession, but it's not all about money. Mm-hmm. It's all about providing health care. That's why we take a Hippocratic oath to ensure that, you know, we try to help our patients. And we want to make our patients, you know, ensure that they have good health care. So, therefore, I mean, we, we have an obligation to do it. And I think that there are a lot more activist doctors than, you, than people are aware, or not necessarily activists, but progressive doctors who may not be activists but support Medicare for All. I mean, that's been documented in journals. All right. Now, uh, one of the uh, common themes of the Democratic debates 
uh, Pamela and I have watched every single <laughs> debate, okay? I should get some kind of medal for having watched every single debate. And invariably, there's a moment in the debate where the other Democratic candidates pick on Bernie. They go fight Bernie uh, for his Medicare for All plan. Uh, among other things, they say it would force people to give up the private plans, which they love. Apparently, I didn't realize this. There are people who love their private plan in America. And secondly, they talk about the expense of Medicare for All. And thirdly, they talk about the impracticality of it. Why don't we start with the, the last point I made and then go to the other ones. How would it work if we had a Medicare for All plan? Medicare for All, you would be enrolled in Medicare at the time you're born, just like happens in many other countries, including Canada. You get a card and you're enrolled in Medicare. Medicare, you have that card every time you access health care in the hospitals or in your doctor's office, and you use that card. And basically what that card does, it doesn't tell you which doctor to go to or which hospital to go to. That, doc, that card just provides a billing mechanism. The bill is sent to a, the federal government, and the bill is paid on a you know, one, one form. I mean, right now, as a physician, we have millions of forms for millions of insurance companies. But Medicare, you file it online to the federal government, and they pay back. I mean, it just, it just, it's, I mean, you don't have all the administrative costs where you have so many different CEOs and insurance companies, and you have so many people that you have to call up and ask for permission to do, sur- to do surgery or do a procedure. I mean, we don't have any clearinghouse where you have to go through. Doctors' offices don't have $70,000 a year spent on administrative costs to have a billing person where we're calling up the insurance companies asking permission to do a test that we know is needed. I mean, it just, it just makes so much sense, and it would be so much easier. And we know that Medicare itself, I mean, how quickly Medicare in 1965, you know, it turned over like within a year you know, people were enrolled and it was working. I mean, it, it just is not, you know, there's so much to do about nothing. Mm-hmm. And the fears people are creating about, you know, about Medicare is every, I mean, almost all the other industrialized countries in the world and even the non-industrialized ones have provide health care for their citizens. Now, in terms of how much a person would have to pay uh, for Medicare, explain how it works. Is it is there a, a progressive rate where the wealthier you are, the more you pay into it, or is it sort of the same rate, uh, same percentage for everybody? Well, now, right now, Medicare is paid for by a combination of an employer's tax and an employee's tax. Mm-hmm then that's basically, I mean, and there are many different ways people have suggested you could pay for Medicare for all. Bernie's plan basically talks about having an employer's tax, which would be lower than what we're paying for health care now. Every month I have to write a check to United Healthcare to pay for the insurance for my employees. But instead of me writing that check to, insure, to my employees, I would be writing it to the federal government as a payroll tax. And the employee would pay a smaller, would pay a small tax, which would be a tax based on how much their income is. Yes. And that small tax would replace their, I mean, we're talking about improved Medicare for all. We would get rid of co-pays, deductibles, and premiums. So that small tax would replace what they're paying in, in the, you know, premiums and everything now. 
it just makes sense. Yeah, and I wanted to point out since it's a uh, progressive, since it's it's uh, based on your income, it, it varies according to your income. It would be a fair. Right now, this is something, uh, doctor, that really irritates me, and I'm I'm like an old guy in the park, ranting and railing <laughs> on this. It's so unfair the way our healthcare system works, because health insurance is such a regressive system. Think about this: health insurance. I pay the same essential premium as somebody my age, even if they're a billionaire. Michael Bloomberg and I, he's a little older than me, but it's it's not re- progressively uh, uh, rated so that he pays a greater percentage than I do. We pay the same. Do you follow? But it means a lot more to me than it does to him because he's a lot wealthier. Do you follow what uh, I just yes. said to you? Oh, I agree with what you say. I mean, plus the fact is, is that, uh, I mean, realistically, our premiums now are a tax. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, we're, we're paying a tax to the insurance companies to get health care. And basically, they're not providing health care. Thus, they're just providing health insurance. I mean, that's, I mean, just the whole thing, if people just sat down and rather than being frightened, and being scared by what, you know, they're saying you're going to take away the wonderful health insurance that you love. And as far as I know, not many people love their <laughs> wonderful health insurance. And, I mean, their health insurance isn't picked out by them. You're just picked out by their employer. And every year the employer, I mean, they may change insurance companies because they get a better deal with the next, you know, with another insurance company. So there's so much churning every year. I mean, the thing about Medicare for All, it's stable, consistent, equitable, and it doesn't change if you change jobs. It doesn't, you know, it, it just go, continues with you through your life. Now, when you watch the debates, and I'm looking at a, a picture right here in the paper uh, as I ask this question. When you watch the debates and you hear someone like uh, Mayor Pete or Amy Klobuchar, I'm, looking at, I'm going down the list of the people here, and now Michael Bloomberg, attack Bernie by saying, we, how are you going to pay for this? How can we afford this? People don't want to have to give up their private plans that they love. Why are you trying to have this government intrusion in people's lives? What's your response to that? Does that kind of drive you crazy when you hear that, doctor? Well, it makes me very mad because they're actually, what they're pretending like, it's like one, one kind of plan for everybody. And it is all we're talking about paying the bill we're not talking about you have free choice of doctors free choice of hospitals i mean they're just it's just they're frightening everybody i mean in their public option the public option would just be another insurance plan and nobody knows how much the public option would cost i mean the theory they believe is that what would happen if you have a public option employers would think aha maybe i don't need to have insurance maybe i can just send give all my employees to the public option but no they don't have any idea about how much it's going to cost and it do, it doesn't get rid of all the administrative costs because we'd still have health insurances left and would still be paying the seventy thousand dollars per doctor per office to do billing that we have to pay now uh, but yeah go ahead it just doesn't make sense all right listen when they say public option expand public option I, in, the, in my humble opinion this is what they're doing they're concerned. They've probably done some kind of polling. There have been polls on this one, doctor. They've done polling that shows that people get nervous when they consider that their private insurance would be turned into public insurance because this is the propaganda that they've been dealing with 
their whole lives. This goes back to the 90s when the Clintons talked about uh, bringing in a uh, uh, health, national health care plan. And so with, with the Amy Klobuchar's and the uh, Pete Buttigieg's uh, and the Michael Bloomers of the world are doing is, is trying to assuage people's concern that somehow or other their worst fears uh, won't come to life. They're not viewing it like in a logical way, the way, do you understand what I'm saying? They're not viewing what's the best system we have, what's the most efficient way to handle this. This is a political appeal that they're making. They're, they're worried about winning over voters who might be turned off and scared uh, by uh, Bernie's rhetoric. Do you understand what I'm, at, what I'm right, saying? Right, and they're also worried about the fact that the insurance companies pay a lot of lobbyists. Very, very, we also pay uh, a lot of politicians who who want to keep the insurance companies in the game. I mean, it just the it just it's all about fear. And I mean, we know that Medicare for all will work. We know it can it's affordable. I mean, there was the most recent study that Bernie keeps talking about was in the Lancet in February 15, 2020. And it came from Yale under the, the, the lead author was Allison Galvani, improving the prognosis of health care in the United States. And it showed that we would achieve $450 plus billion annually by going to Medicare for All from what we're spending on health care now. Right now, we're spending 18% of our, our GDP on health care, and it's going to go up. We've seen that the only way that we can control health care costs is through Medicare. I mean, Medicare has had more control over the costs. And it's, you know, for them to say, talk about Medicare, we're going to ration. We're rationing medicine now by costs. You know, poor people can't get it because they can't afford it. So, I mean, it just makes, you know, it, the Mercatus study, which was done by the Koch brothers, showed it would save money. There have been innumerable studies that have shown Medicare for all makes sense. If people just would get over the, if we could get people to understand, you know, not, to get rid of the fear. And that's why our job as Doctors for Bernie and for many of the other groups is to educate, educate, educate. We need to get out there and explain to people what Medicare for all means and how we're talking about improved Medicare for all so that the people who are over 65 won't, will not be made afraid of the fact that more people will be in the system and they'll lose something. We're talking about getting vision, dental, hearing, and long-term care in improved Medicare for all. So, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. Plus, I mean, it's really, I mean, if you think it conservative-wise, it's patriotic. Aren't we all part of one nation? Wow. Uh, that is an interesting interpretation of things. Doctor, I have not heard that come from anyone uh, of the conservative persuasion, but I may trot, trot that argument out uh, on my Republican friends. Not that it'll go uh, very far. Uh, my Republican friends uh, are vehemently against Obamacare. We'll get to, to that uh, in a little while. Uh, now, let's just before we lose the notion of the insurance for a, a moment, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I talked about uh, how there's fears that people have of the government taking over the program and to a certain degree those fears have been stoked by uh, lobbyists for the insurance industry this goes back to the 1990s when the clintons talked about a national health care plan and how they invoke these 
fears that the government would take away uh, our right to have our own doctors. I don't know if you remember these commercials from the 90s. And it undercut. Oh, yeah. And the, Clinton, the, the lesson that the Clintons and other members of the Democratic Party took from that is never take on the insurance companies again. Any plan we come up to has to be done with the cooperation of the insurance companies, doctor. That is sort of the political lesson they learned from the 1990s. Which brings me to this. If Bernie is the nominee, you know that in key swing states, the Republicans will be invoking the jobs in the insurance companies that will be lost if there's national health care. And they'll talk about people losing good jobs and try to get people to vote against Bernie on this issue alone. How do you deal with that? Does anybody ever mention that to you about the insurance uh, industry jobs that would be lost if we went to a national health care plan? Well, of course, and, and that's why there's money written into both the fed, the Senate plan and the congressional plan now to retrain people, to carry people over if they lose their job in, from insurance companies and get be, re, be retrained. Plus, you're going to open up a lot more access to health care, so you're going to need more health care employees. I mean, it, actually, if you think about it, and I mean, I've heard it this other ways, too. In other industries, we haven't ever stopped moving technology forward to say we're not going to take in a technologic advance because people are going to be put out of work. I mean, coal miners were reeducated. I mean, I know I mean, I'm live in Southern Illinois and I know at least, you know, multiple coal miners who started out as coal miners and now were retrained to be medical technologists. So, I mean, there's money in there to retrain people, to keep people secured until they find another job. I mean, and you know, that is something we don't want to, make people lose their job but the other thing is even if they lose their jobs they still have their health insurance because they have medicare for all i mean and and, and since you raise this let me just take this moment to go into one of my uh, pet peeves if you will uh the industry i'm in journalism has been decimated by technological advances okay the newspapers are dying we're basically giving away our material for free because the internet is just absorbing it all and taking away ads i don't know if you ever subscribed to a newspaper it came from a family that subscribed to a newspaper but the newspaper industry is is gasping for breath i've not heard one republican cry <laughs> Crying right, about right. journalists who've lost their jobs, okay? You get what I'm saying? It's oh, all- I mean, and newspapers are shrinking. I mean, you know, if, if you don't know, I mean, everything. Newspapers are shrinking, I mean, in size. But you're right. I mean, it's the same thing with farmers. We didn't stop technology because some farmers would be replaced. I mean, that's a part of life. I mean, change is endemic. You know, if, if you, you can't fear change. We all have to adjust. And, I mean, I believe that, I mean, there would be jobs in the healthcare industry. There would be other jobs. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of work in the country that needs to be done that needs good workers. All right. Now, uh, let's deal with Obamacare. Uh, were you a supporter of Ob- Obamacare uh, back in, what was it, 2011 when it passed Congress? Well, I mean, that's basically what all we were left with. I mean, I could not see denying people any cho- any chance to get health care. I mean, so therefore, since we weren't going to, I mean, they, you know, we weren't going to have Medicare for all. We weren't going to have, we were, we were, that Obamacare was what we got. Basically, though, we're subsidizing the insurance companies and we're keeping the insurance companies vital to the role. We're also expanding Medicaid. And the problem with Medicaid is that it's like two-tier medicine. I mean, many doctors don't Medicaid because it pays 
so little. Mm-hmm. I mean, it basically almost just like charity work that you do the work, and sometimes you're almost paying more in your time and effort than you get paid for it, and plus it's slow to pay. So, I mean, Medicaid's not a substitute for for good health care. I mean, it works because it has helped people because mm-hmm. they've had something, but it's not perfect. I mean, so that we were giving them two-tier health care, plus you had the, medic- the states that didn't take Medicaid expansion. And then, you know, you're forced to subsidize. I mean, we're paying money to subsidize health insurance companies. So, I mean, Obamacare was not the answer. Plus, and in addition, now it's under attack. I mean, you know, they, they want to get pre-existing conditions they want to remove. I mean, they want to take, they want to say the whole bill is, is unconstitutional because they got rid of the mandate. And, I mean, the whole thing is it's being challenged in the courts everywhere. But Medicare's been here for 54 years, and it hasn't been challenged in the courts. We're still doing it. I mean, we're still working. You know, it's working. And people at the age of 65 or older, if you look at, like, cancer studies, people do better once they get on Medicare. I know people who are between their 60 and 65 are dying to get on Medicare. Not really dying, but are happy not dying is a bad choice of words. That they're just so eager they can't wait to get on Medicare. And in Medicare right now, I mean, the thing about Medicare now is it provides health care for the 20% of the people that consume 80% of the cost. But what happens is once you open this up to the whole gamut of ages, you're spreading the risks around the whole age. So you're spreading, you know, you're, you're making it much more equitable. Yeah. It just makes sense. Uh, doctor, I could tell you uh, the only good thing about getting older is that you get Medicare, all right? That's about the only good thing I can think of come out of getting older, and I say it as a person who has gotten older. Uh, let's just go back for a moment to what you were talking about, the assault of by the Republicans on Obamacare from the moment it passed. They turned that into a crusade for them. I, this is one of the oddest things I've ever seen, Pamela, that this has been a popular movement within the Republican Party. It just is so inexplicable that here you have a program as flawed as it is, and it is flawed. You're absolutely correct. It's basically a subsidy to the insurance industry. So we have to, it's a bribe we're paying to the insurance industry not to oppose uh, a plan for pre, to fight against pre-existing conditions. That's what effectively it is. Uh, but even though it's diluted, the Republicans have made it their mission to destroy it, and they have nothing, nothing to replace it. It's their cost to I mean, get rid of it. But partially they want to get rid of it probably because President Obama proposed it. I I mean, that's part of the problem. I would say partially out of that sentence because I can't think of any other reason why they would be against it. There's no reason to be against Obamacare uh, if you're a Republican. You follow what I'm saying? Right. Uh, Because you're not offering anything in the— in, in, in replacement. So this is an important point. Talk about what the world would exist like if Donald Trump is reelected and he knocks out Obamacare. Oh, I mean, it would be a disaster. I mean, many, many people would lose their health insurance. I mean, we already now in this country with Obamacare have 37 million people who don't have insurance. 
and 41 million people who are underinsured, which means they have insurance, but their premiums with their co-pays and their deductibles are so high, they can't use it unless it's catastrophic. So basically, they're paying premiums for catastrophic health insurance. I mean, we've seen what he's done with the junk insurance now that he's selling. I mean, you know, because he got rid of the requirements that you that you have, you know, and Obamacare had requirements. These were the things you had to provide. But he got rid of that. He's trying to get rid of, I mean, he pretends like he wants to support pre-existing conditions, but we know he doesn't. I mean, you know, you, what happens if you get rid of pre-existing, if you make pre-existing conditions important? People can't afford their health insurance. I mean, that's why Medicare came about. Because in 1965, there were like a large majority of people over the age of 65 didn't have any health insurance because the insurance companies didn't want to, wouldn't sell it to them because they couldn't, have, you know, they weren't making any money off of it, and the people couldn't afford the ridiculous premium. So I mean, it just, you know, that it just. I mean, it would be a shambles if we need, okay, if they get rid of everything, it would we'll go back, I mean, it would go back to disaster. Right now, we're losing 60, you know, 68,000 people a year because they don't have insurance. How many people will we lose? And I mean, isn't it important that we keep, you know, we expect our young boys or young children to go off to war. Shouldn't we keep them, shouldn't we ensure that they grow up healthy? Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. One thing that I always uh, found uh, uh, really interesting is how in the when I see the evolution of healthcare, care, uh, the governmental programs that have passed just in, in my state alone as we uh, and leading up to Obamacare. Remember, there was like kids care in Illinois, like insurance for kids. Right. I'm like, I don't get this. Why would you, why don't adults get sick? What about the parents? You know what I'm saying? It's like, we'll have kids care for kids, but not for parents. I, I could never understand the mentality in our country, doctor, the resistance to national health care, the resistance to single payer health care. So like we have to do this like incremental process. Kids care. Do you, do you understand what I'm getting at here? Like, uh, yeah, well, people, because you have to remember that some people are of the belief that you deserve, you earn the health care. You know, you, 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 you deserve the health care you get that you've lived your life in a bad way or you've done something wrong and you get sick. But that is just ridiculous. I mean, I am a pathologist, and I, of all people, know, since I've done autopsies on people who've died suddenly, that you cannot predict. You know, you can live the healthiest, most um, exercise every day, eat the right food, and you'll still get sick or you can still get a heart attack. I mean, a lot of it's based on your genetics. I mean, what you eat, where you live, I mean, how you were raised. I mean, so we can't, you know, but there's so much reliance on they They figure out that you need to, you know, we need to earn our health care. And, like, we need to deserve our health. You know, that's, and that it's just, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. But I blame a lot of it on Ralph Waldo Emerson because it's like, you know, you you have to work for everything you get and you earn what you do. I mean, I was a baby boomer, and I believed that if I worked as hard my whole life and did everything I was supposed to, I would succeed. Wow. But, you know, that's not health. That's not disease. Uh, I got to tell you, doctor, uh, <laughs> I've heard people blame a lot of people. I've never heard Ralph Waldo Emerson get blamed, but whatever. That's <laughs> uh, When I was a kid growing up, it was like a lot of lefties would go, blame it on Nixon. But I never heard anybody said blame it on Ralph. <laughs> well, and, I just think it's a, it's like the, sort of like the Protestant work ethic. It's just that, but you will see the Republicans, they 
I mean, they want you to, you know, like just you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And the same thing is that that's why they think you have to earn your that you have to earn your health care. That health care is not a human right. That they think that you know we should you, we should be made to pay for it. And it, of course, you know it's ridiculous. I mean, babies are born into the world; they can't pay for their health care. I mean, it, we have a certain responsibility to every citizen in the United, or every person who lives in the United States to take care of each other. Uh, doctor, you're preaching to the choir. I appreciate you saying all this. And the the other aspect of the headline, I started off by talking about the de- Democratic debate and how uh, so many of the moderates were picking on Bernie because they think it's somehow or other in their best political uh, interest to undercut a movement that would benefit this country. So it's, think about that for a moment, how bizarre that is. Because I cannot believe, doctor, I'm just on a tangent here. I cannot believe that Amy Klobuchar and Joe Biden actually believe that this healthcare system is a, a private insurance works to the benefit of the people they say they're standing up for. I, I, I just can't, I don't believe they believe that. Okay. That's just me talking. And I just think that it's a political, uh, it's a political decision based on internal polls that show there's opposition to uh, healthcare for all that can be easily manipulated. And that's why they're taking their position they're taking. But then I look at the other headline which has to do with the uh, outbreak of coronavirus just think about this if you're ralph even ralph waldo emerson <laughs> could get the coronavirus do you follow what i'm saying he could live a perfect life eat vegetables do sit-ups go for long walks and contemplate nature he could still get a virus correct right well you can't be rich enough to live in a dome and you're not going to get sick i mean it's ridiculous to believe that we're you know we're all part of the same you know, we all live on the same earth. We all breathe the same air. So, therefore, we're all, you know, you, you won't, you can't protect yourself totally against everything. You, you know, and I mean, coronavirus, we don't even, it's spread very easily. I mean, it's, it's just, people don't realize that how, how closely related and integrated we all are and how, you know, disease doesn't respect money doesn't respect titles it just i mean it's indiscri- i mean it's sort of indiscriminate it, bad health can happen to anybody all and that's right. why we do need to take care of each other all right thank you very much doctor doctors for bernie uh if can you give out a website or anything any information people want may want to hear uh, read more about uh bernie's well, plan well yeah our website is is uh, docs with a number 4 bernie all one word dot .org and people can go on. We have like over 500 doctors and healthcare workers signed up for it. And we believe that healthcare is a human right. And we also believe that, and that just like the Bernie campaign, because I also, I was on the platform committee in 2016. I'm running delegate in the, in the 13th this year. But I, you know, I, it, we just believe that we need to sell, to tell Begin this discussion about Bernie and healthcare by telling a story, telling about how healthcare relates to us, what what you know what it means to us. And if you go to our website, you will see endorsements by doctors, including myself. There's a picture of me on there with what my statement was about Bernie, and I believe Bernie is will be the most trustworthy person to carry health you know Medicare for all because he's been consistent and talking about it for many years, and he understands it better than anybody. All right. Very good, doctor. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Okay. okay thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. That's another bonus show. The audience has a lot of Democrats in it. 
It has uh, Republicans, independents, Democratic socialists, conservatives. Uh, I want to ask the audience a question, if you could raise your hand here. A show of hands of how many people get their insurance from work, private insurance, right now? How many get it from private insurance? Okay, now of those, how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? Millions of people every single year lose their health insurance. You know why? They get fired or they quit and they go to another employer. I was a mayor for eight years. You know what I did, what probably every mayor in America does? is you look around for the best insurance program, the most cost-effective insurance. You change insurance. Every year, millions of workers wake up in the morning and their employer has changed the insurance that they have. Maybe they like the doctors. People are nodding their heads, okay? So this is not new every year. Now, what we are talking about, actually, is stability, that when you have a Medicare for All, it is there now and it will be there.